everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to It's Time for More Injury Funding, the podcast for all who want to learn about legal funding and its significance in the personal injury, product liability, medical practice, and many other types of law practice domains. I'm your host, Laura, founder and CEO of More Injury Funding, the legal funding counselors with passion for law, medicine, legal funding at the heart for all suffering individuals. In this episode, we have a special guest, Frank Ramos, lawyer, husband, father of two sons, David and Michael, and he's based in Florida. Well, hello, um, Frank. How are you today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So let me tell you a little bit about Frank. So um, he's a partner of Clark Silverglade, and he's on the defense side of law, where he practices in the areas of commercial litigation, drug and medical device, products liability, and catastrophic personal injury. He is AV rated by Martindale Hubble and is listed in best lawyers in America for his defense work in product liability matters. Frank has been with Clark Silverglade for virtually his entire career. He has tried to verdict personal injury, medical malpractice, product liability, and inverse condemnation cases. As a certified mediator, Frank has resolved numerous matters through alternative dispute resolution. Mr. Ramos has written 20 books for lawyers. That's amazing, Frank. Thank you. Um, edited five books for lawyers and has written over 400 articles for lawyers and business professionals. He also mentors uh, young attorneys. And in his spare time, Frank enjoys writing, reading science fiction, and listening to uh, his two sons, David and Michael, perform classical and jazz music. And uh, tell me where, where your sons are now uh, in, in their music careers. Sure. Right. My older son, who's 25, David, is pursuing a master's and conducting at the University of Miami. My younger son currently is on tour. Uh, with his band, and he plays the bass guitar. He's 22. That's just absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank and you. today, um, today, uh, attorney Frank Ramos will uh, dive deep into the topic of chat GPT, which is becoming exponentially popular and widely used and discussed in so many, if not all, live and industry settings around the globe. But today we'll uh, focus on its application and utilization in the practice of law, be it in legal research, contract review, legal chatbots, predictive analytics, and anything else that helps lawyers save time, reduce costs, and improve quality of their work. We will chat about what is ChatGPT, how is ChatGPT applied in the legal world, and its pros and cons, maybe pitfalls or anything to look out for, all related to ChatGPT. Um, at the end of this episode, we'll have a pop-up fun question for our guest Frank today, so stay tuned in. Uh, you, are my dear listeners, are for a treat today with attorney Frank Ramos. So Frank, welcome once again. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. It's so wonderful to have you uh, with us today. Please tell us, uh, how would you describe ChatGPT? What does it stand for and what's the buzz about it in the legal world? Sure, ChatGPT sort of came into our consciousness last fall. And GPT stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. And so it's known as Chat GPT. The current version is 4.0. That's the version that if you wanna pay about $20 a month, you can download either on an app or just go on your laptop or desktop and use. And that was, I think came online just a few months ago and it's the latest version. 4.5 is expected to come online sometime this fall and 5.0 sometime next summer each version being much stronger and uh, more uh, useful than the last. Um, and so a lot of lawyers um, have gotten on it. I think what caught a lot of people's attention is that version 4.0 passed the 
bar exam at the 90th percentile. Uh, the version before 3.5 couldn't pass the bar. And so suddenly that got in all of our consciousness. We're wondering, well, if we can pass the bar, we'll probably do a lot of things that lawyers can do. And ever since then, a lot of lawyers, firms, and uh, in-house counsel have been trying to figure out how they can use it to be more efficient, to do better work, and to improve their work product. You said pass the bar. What do you mean by that? Uh, well, they gave the chat GPT 4.0 a, a bar exam, and I'm not sure logistically how they did it, but it took the exam and passed it to 90th percentile. So it obviously aced the exam. Um, and that's what really kind of took made, made it take off. Like all of us had to think about that. It's like, oh, if we pass the bar exam, what else can it do? And a lot of firms and a lot of lawyers have been trying to tinker with it and figure it out. Some people have used it well, some people have not used it very well, as I'm sure you've probably seen in the papers, there was that New York lawyer who was sanctioned recently um, mm -hmm. for uh, misusing ChatGPT. There was another young lawyer, I believe in Texas, who did the same. Um, it's something, it's not really meant as a research tool. We can get into that later in our conversation. It's meant mm -hmm. uh, to really kind of explore ideas and concepts and think through things a little bit more uh, deeply. It's more like a sounding board than a legal research tool. It's not tied to Westlaw or Lexis, although they're coming up with their own AI models. And so it's just trying to find whatever it can find online. And it doesn't tell you often, like it didn't find something, it just kind of fills in the blanks. These things called hallucinations, where it basically really just makes things up. Uh, and so you have to be very careful when you're doing it for, for legal research. I don't really recommend it for that. Um, but if at some point, some platforms like you know, Lexis, Nexus, start incorporating it was well, Westlaw, which they are, and that'd be different, uh, different thing to do. But the chat GPT-4 uh, is not really used for that. It's more for, you know, coming up with questions or ideas or thoughts on how to handle your cases and your matters. And from your personal experience, can you train chat uh, GPT? Let's say, you know, if you ask a question once, you do not get an answer you we were expecting or hoping for, you know, or some, you feel like some information is missing. Can you ask that question in a different way and get a different response? Yeah, it's a great question. Basically, you can learn with ChatGPT. There's these things called prompts. It's very similar when we do a search on Google and we do a search and something doesn't come up exactly the way, so we change our search term. Uh, when we do searches on Westlaw or Lexis or other providers that do legal research, we're, we're constantly changing our search terms and what we're inputting to get a different output. And ChatGPT is no different. So you type something in, you don't really get the response you want, and you modify it, and then you kind of go through this in a series of questions until you find out what you want. You know, maybe you're looking for questions to ask a, a, a party in a deposition, and it's a case involving product. You start asking them, you know, what do I ask about this? The answers are kind of generic, and then you say, well, what do I ask this witness about this situation or these circumstances? And then the questions become much more directed, and you keep doing that until you find what you want. Um, it's no different people who want you use it to like help them write articles or letters or emails. They'll write something and then they'll try to get it to sound like them. They'll say, well, you know, can you do this in the first person? Can you do this the second person? Can you use uh, the, in the active voice? Can you avoid adverbs? Can you, you know, and then you try to emulate your voice using the chat GPT. So by the end of it, it sounds a lot like you because you know how you write. You teach it how to write like you. Mm -hmm. And then you give it some content and, and, and you go through this process with it. And, and you'll find that basically all your searches are saved 
you don't have to save them, you delete them, but they're generally saved. And, and so it creates this sort of library of Q and A's that you've done with it and the answers you've, uh, it's given to you in response to those questions. It's just absolutely fascinating. And you may have answered some of this, but um, how is Shad GPT, how has it been applied in the legal setting so far? Do you see it being used more lately? Can you possibly foresee its usage in the legal world? And do you believe it can eventually replace people to a certain degree? Yeah, I think what a lot of lawyers and law firms are doing is that they're finding tasks that are a little bit simpler, uh, maybe even simplistic, uh, that we all do and trying to find ways of having chat GPT do it, maybe come up with clauses and contracts or revise contracts or to draft, you know, basic emails or correspondence, uh, maybe create a library of correspondence you can use later. And so depending on what you do, whether you're on plaintiff or defense, whether you're civil or criminal, whether you're doing uh, personal injury or family law, uh, lawyers are trying to figure out how to become more efficient and improve the quality of their work through its usage. And it does have limitations. Like I said, it's not really used or should not be used for legal research, but it can be used to help you, you know, with your press releases, it can help you with your marketing materials, it can help you um, draft questions for a deposition or come up with an outline for a hearing, or mm -hmm. maybe, maybe not the research for a motion, but at least come up with ideas that you can include in a motion. And so again, it's sort of having sort of free labor. It's like having a free employee that helps you think through things. Now, the problem with that is that eventually is that's gonna replace a number of the tasks that we perform. And for clients who are looking to save money, they're going to ask us outside counsel, uh, you know, what, how we can do things more efficiently and more effectively. And so big firms that have hired lots of people, lots of lawyers, lots of staff, and a lot of the work, or at least some of the work that they do may be fungible, is gonna be replaced by chat GPT. So no given lawyer will be replaced, but enough tasks will be replaced that they'll have to downsize in the size of their firms. Very interesting. Um, so Frank, you've lived and practiced in Florida most of your life. Um, can you tell us if Chad GPT can possibly recognize Florida in your particular state or any other state for that matter, specific new or updated laws, regulations, contracts, legal procedures? Um, if so, how can it help the legal community now and going forward? On the contrast, can it cause some damage? Is it trust trustworthy? And can a law firm blindly trust the chat GPT as an AI using natural language processing, NLP, to generate human-like responses? Can we humans trust this pre-trained friend of ours? Well, you know, it's a great question. So chat GPT, even the 4.0 version, is only updated, I think, through September 2021. There's some plugins, mm -hmm. some sort of add-ons that can help you search the internet. Um, so it's hard to use it for actual legal research. You can probably ask it questions about Florida versus another state, and it could provide you some general information. But any information that you find that you're trying to use as a research tool, you really have to double check it. You have to look up the cases it cites for the statutes and references and make sure that they're actually valid because as we saw what happened in new york uh the chat gpt just made up cases it's better i think as a tool to help you brainstorm an issue where mm -hmm. you sit down and you're trying to conceptualize how to handle a case or how to handle you know the flow chart of a case and um you know or if you want to write sort of processes or checklists for you it'll probably come up with a lot of ideas that you may have overlooked or forgotten about or not even conceived Mm -hmm. And that's a really, I think, a good way of using it. I think it's sort of 
it's sort of an expansive model where it helps you think through things versus helping you find specific details or information about something. Okay. Is Chad GPT applicable in plaintiffs and defense law? I think you're going to see a lot of plaintiffs lawyers incorporate a lot more than defense lawyers because plaintiffs don't bill by the hour. And mm -hmm. so they're constantly trying to find ways to be more efficient to try to uh, get information in and out. I've seen plaintiffs lawyers try to help them uh, draft and respond to discovery. And uh, a lot of sort of the rudimentary aspects of the practice, whether it's written discovery, through break subpoenas, uh, you know, basic interview questions. I'm seeing a lot of attorneys, uh, especially in the plaintiff side, especially attorneys that don't bill by the hour, are trying to figure out how to get as much work out of every minute that they have. Mm -hmm. uh, on the defense side, um, they're doing some of that as well. Uh, that's getting pushed upon them a lot by clients who are trying to figure out how they can become more efficient. And so I think it's an efficiency tool, uh, primarily, I think. It really helps us do things faster and more quickly. Um, and, you know, if you were to type in, like, you know, draft me a letter regarding A, B, and C and this type of voice, uh, mm -hmm. the first version wouldn't be great, but then you'd ask it to fix this or fix that. And that whole process would take maybe three minutes to do. And you would have, you know, a full-length letter, letter that may have taken you an hour to draft, and you draft it in three minutes. So that's kind of where I'm seeing it used the most. That's just fabulous. And how, pers how long have you been using it, personally? You know, I've been using it for a few months now. Um, once 4.0 came on and you have to pay for it three months, it's you know, a very reasonable price. I started experimenting with it. I try to do different things with it. I try to use different prompts. Again, it's a very prompt-driven platform where you are telling it what to do and you're doing it as specifically as possible. You see what the outcome is and then you tweak the prompt. You keep tweaking it until you get the answer you want. Uh, understanding, again, that there are limitations to what it can be used for and not a research tool, more sort of a brainstorming tool uh, or a tool to write copy or to write articles, write to post. You know, if you're very active on social media, you can mm -hmm. probably teach it how to, you know, what post you want to draft for social media. And you'll teach it how to do it in your voice. You'll teach it what to say, what not to say. And you could, you know, and once you've trained it in that regard, it's pretty easy to have it, you know, generate all your social media posts. So that's something else people are using it for. And very interesting. That's what I was going to ask you if you only use it for work or for personal um, reasons as well. Yeah, you can use it to help you write poetry or short stories. You can help uh, write correspondence, help you, you know, if you have to give a toast to somebody, you have to give a toast and help me think through that <laughs> a little bit. You know, I didn't obviously copy that, but it gave me some ideas. Um, it's good to kind of think through how to do something. You know, it'll tell you, okay, these are the steps on how to do A, B, or C. So again, it basically, it's like another layer uh, in your approach to whatever problem you're dealing with. Sometimes you're having a hard time coming up with an answer or solution. It may trigger uh, a thought process that you may not mm -hmm. have otherwise uh, conceived of, and it'll help you, you know, achieve whatever goals you have in mind. Very interesting. So you said you've been using it for a couple of months. Are you getting more excited about it? Would that yeah, be I'm looking forward, day? yeah, I'm looking forward to the later versions. I think 4.5 will be much better. Certainly 5.0 will be much better than that. Um, I, you know, it's hard to, you know, I, I assume they're going to try to find ways to make it stronger, uh, make it more responsive. You know, they're probably going to give it more access to more recent information and uh, allow you to interact with it in different ways. And I suspect a lot of the, a lot of the concerns people have with the current version will be addressed. A lot of this is sort of this feedback loop where ChatGPT, you know, it's taking all our information, which raises certain privacy concerns because we're sharing so much information with ChatGPT on their terms and conditions. They're pretty explicit. They tell you, you know, that they're kind of taking all that information to make it better. 
but they are taking uh, whatever information you provide. So be very conscious when you work with and type in prompts to ChatGPT, you're not providing confidential proprietary client information. You try to do it in a little bit more abstract or generic way. Because a lot of that's just being absorbed and it's probably being used and shared with other people because all of this is sort of like this large amalgam of just information that's going in. And so what uh, what apps would you recommend for people who, like myself, use foam as a primarily tool of communication? You know, I would just go and t- t- log in and get the chat GPT app and mm-hmm. log that in. I believe there's certain add-ons. I haven't really been experimenting with the add-ons yet because mm-hmm. uh, I'm still trying to fully grasp and appreciate the scope of chat GPT-4. But you go on, 3.5 is still free if you want to do that. Uh, 4.0 costs $20 a month. There are other platforms that are sort of, you know, chatbot related. There's Bard or Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bing has its own platform. I still think ChatGPT4 is sort of the gold standard, but uh, Bard is free. Um, it doesn't have a limit on the number of questions you can ask. ChatGPT only asks uh, 25 prompts in every three hours. And if you're really active, you can see how you can go through that pretty quickly. Um, I assume the next version will allow you to have more you know, more prompts, or maybe at some point this one will allow you to have more prompts, but, um, but there are different, you know, varieties of this. So, you know, like I said, ChatGPT, there's Barb, there's Bing, uh, you know, sit, sit down, just download them on your phone, just, you can just reach them on your desktop or laptop, experiment, see which ones work best for you. Um, you know, something like Bard, you know, it's, it's more updated because it's not limited by a deadline, September 2021, so it has more updated information. Uh, and, and you have to see what you're using it for, you know, each of mm-hmm. us use it for different reasons. So try to find out which platform using chatbots uh, is helping you the most. Uh, this is great. I hope, my dear um, listeners, you've learned as much as I did uh, today about the chat GPT and its application in today's and future's legal realm. And as promised, here's a fun pop-up question for you. Are you ready, Frank? Sure, sure. What should I have asked you, but I didn't? Uh, you know, I think the one question is where where will we be like 20 years from now and whether or not we're going to be replaced by these chatbots and AI. And I think the points we're going to get to where a lot of the tasks you perform will be replaced by AI mm-hmm. and the lawyers who know how to use AI are going to replace the lawyers who don't use AI. Mm-hmm. And so now is the time for all of us to really embrace this technology, learn as much as possible, don't you know, bury our heads in the sand. Uh, so that we're, we stay ahead of the curve. Well, Frank, thank you so much. That was an amazing time spent with you learning a great deal about ChatGPT. Um, if anyone needs your help and is looking for Clark Silverglade, how can they reach you, Frank? Uh, can you provide your phone number, email, uh, website, social sure. media you platforms? Can, you can find me at MiamiMentor.com. It's my personal website. Or you can find me at my email at F-R-A-M-O-S. It's Ramos at C spalaw.com that's c as in charlie s as in sam p as in paul a as in anthony law law.law.com that's so great frank again thank you so much for being uh, my very special guest that it's time for more injury finding podcast today thanks for having me